When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Tonight on Dad Band Land, <laughs> seamless. Hear something like this: too black, too strong. Once again, time has elapsed due to personal tragedies and something called a pandemic. We once again had to delay the, re- the start of Dad Van Land. Um, once again, here's my co-host, uh, Kevin Burke. Hello, hello, Kevin. hello. He's, he plays guitar, one of our lead guitarists. As far as I can tell, delaying Dad Band podcast is like the best thing we do. It's, it's like the thing we're the best at right now. It's just pushing it <laughs> well, a little bit Well, now people longer. are listening to it, though. And it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, they it's, don't know. We know. Are this they, is, this is, yeah. I think they are. Let me introduce the rest of the crew. Our chief technology officer, Jeffy Brannion, still with Hello, us. Hello, I'm still here and still into technology. And our chief vinyl officer, it's Brian Frank, band manager Brian Frank. Uh, I'm still here in dad band land. Oh, you, so, made, you made it look easy. Yeah, I, dad you know band land, everybody can say it. There you go. Anybody we're back, though, and it. we're very happy to be doing this. Now we're going to be doing this regularly. We're more or less caught up to real time. Um, yes. You know who's not with us, though? And Kevin and I need to talk about this right right at the start. While we were gone, and for you guys it was a week, but for us it was a couple of months, our band exploded. And yeah, I don't mean in a good yeah. way. Not we, like, they, yeah, There was a breakup. Off. Yeah, we didn't take off in any, any real way. So but the that, band that's, is bigger now? No, we broke up. 
Well, oh, so, you know, it, so it imploded. Ish, no, really. no, it imploded. It imploded. Yeah. What, what do you mean ish? Imploded. In that, in that, two members of the band refused to play with another member. Of the yeah, band. but you know, but what, what I'm saying is that these two members aren't us. We're not talking about you and I. And, and no, and so at the heart of this, we could still continue as you know our two two man cover band or whatever we want to be. <laughs> <laughs> our there be giants cover band, which is what our ultimate goal is going to end up being, whether we like yeah. it or not. But no, no. But for, the, for I mean, it, 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 yeah, but I mean, ish. I'm always optimistic, you know. The, I'm optimistic the, too. One thing I like about it is that it kind of proves that, like, even in like a crappy neighborhood dad cover band, you which have not, which isn't ours. Same, that's another type of band. Yeah, no, cr- in yeah. any kind of dad cover band, you okay, have the same yes. kind of like ego conflicts, artistic differences. And and whatnot as as the big pro bands like what happened between these guys might as well have happened between like the Gallagher brothers or the Davies brothers. No, that like they, I guess they were, at, a, they were jamming late at night and words started flying and there was drinking and and they got angry at each other and and well I can't I can't I can't speak to how that works but it is it's almost like like kids sports and stuff where the intensity gets to a level that is almost professional level, you know, and that just goes to show that no matter how little you're getting paid or how even little talent you may even have, you can still fight like the best of them. I, I That's noticed you right. said the intensity gets to a professional level. What, what about the, the, exactly the playing of the band? Does no, it the music that? never reached a quite a professional level. Well, and, and also, and, and just for the record, it's like I said, it's not Adam and I, but, but someday it will be. And when it is, this yeah. podcast is going to get so much more exciting because we're going to be so angry at each other and just sniping at each other. And we just need to find a way to make that happen. The sooner I think the better. The, really. the, once we start that fight, I think the thing we need to do, Kevin, is that we won't speak directly to each other. Oh, through through intermediaries. We will say, like, Brian, could you tell Kevin <laughs> that he's completely wrong about Kiss because they are a I, worthless I'm not man. passing notes for anybody. I'm just going to yeah, tell we'll you that see. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think all this, as the resident manager here, all this could be resolved in your band operating agreement with a leaving member clause to see who gets to keep the name and what rights you have. So you used a lot of words there that weren't weren't have never been discussed in the context of a dad band. I understand these words individually. Yeah, you. If you can let us know what sort of a, of a band therapist we need, like some kind of monster to come in and yeah. sort of work on it together, let let us know. But yeah, we don't have that. We should really bring contracts into. It. Nothing would make Dad's band more fun right. than some contracts that we can sign. That'd be amazing. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. You mean Dad band? Yes, Dad band. All right, well, you said Dad's look, band. You know, I'm not sure you should be getting on my case about how to say dad band right now. I'm not entirely sure that's... that's, uh, (laughs) Our our cold open was not as I know it doesn't have an S. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kevin, you're optimistic at the uh, prospects for our band reuniting? Yeah, absolutely, because... um, I know you've been brokering a piece over the last week. Well, no, I just... I believe... Here's... At the risk of sounding ridiculous, I believe in the power of music and that we should just enjoy playing music together. And there's really nothing in our lives that are more, I mean, especially in these circumstances that are more important than, than playing music. This is not a situation of any of us making any money. This is not a situation <laughs> of any of us having any real super creative differences. We're all guys who generally like mid tempo rock, right? This is all like, there's really <laughs> not, yeah, no. there's really not a lot. I mean, look, not everyone has valid points, but the stakes are relatively low, right? This is the difference between us and the Rolling Stones is 
that they make money playing their music and we don't. Right. And so I think that that raises the stakes. I we had to cancel one gig. I think we will we can get that gig back cuz they love us over there at the uh Yeah. And and you and I could still go out as as just, you know, as whatever. Well, you've uh, always wanted to do a They Might Be Giants cover band with me. Yeah, me. Don't blame me. We this is an us thing. We want to do this. Is it? But let's yes. go back to the heady days when we had a band cuz I think we will again. Um yes. because we're going to our next segment which is Playing the thing. I still haven't named this segment, but it's the one where we break down one song. <laughs> I like that you, I saw, no one could see this, but you looked down like you were going to read something and then you had no name yeah. for it. Well, yeah. I looked at my outline and there's still no name. But uh, today, <laughs> this week, we will be discussing uh, me and Kevin and our band when we played Tom Petty's Running Down a Dream. Right. We did. We did do that song. And I think that's a great song. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite Tom Petty songs. I like um, pretty much every Tom Petty song, but that's one of my favorites it's it's a uh, it's more of a rocker and up tempo yeah, and yeah. Now, kevin did you play the immortal riff or did our guitarist play our other guitarist play that oh the did did i played that do-da, 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 do-da. i believe we both played it at some point but i played it i, I started but, the song with that. And I, if i'm not mistaken that whole thing is done on the the top string on the e string right low e, what we call the low yeah. string yes the low e yeah. but did 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 yes absolutely and it's in e and then I didn't really play chords because after that it goes to the verse, and then I would just make some diddly sounds while the while the singer's doing his bits to kind of create right. some dynamics. So sometimes I would do these little like wow and do the volume bends and stuff, and it 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 you know sometimes we're better than others. We were one both thing, doing that together. That was another we time were. when we were both doing things. Um, we were, yes, well, and 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 one thing about that song that I was even in a dad cover band, um, the end is an extended solo, and I could always tell. If I was killing it on the solo, I mean, I would say killing it, but if I was in the moment or not, like I could hit all the right notes, but sometimes I was either doing it well and it was kind of exciting or I was boring myself right. to tears and it has everything to do with, I mean, I guess it's sort of my attitude. Like the, you can play the wrong note as long as you do it in an exciting, emotional way. And, uh, and if I wasn't, if we were rehearsing and I wasn't really feeling it, that to me, the whole song just sort of crashed and burned at the very end and it was all my fault. Or if I was in the zone, it would actually uh-huh. get exciting. And then you and I would almost have dueling solos <clears throat> at the end. Yes, and, and, and we'll get to our dueling solos in a second. I just want to say one thing about it is that I have to confess something. I think the verse is better than the chorus of Running Down a Dream. I it's, love that yeah. spooky little... Is this, your, is this um, the hottest take of 1989 you're just dropping right yeah, now? Yeah, exactly. I love that spooky little halftone um, warble in the, you know, yeah. the rain was unstoppable. Yeah. That's just that's a really sweet uh, melody there. And I and don't think the, the chorus ever rises to that level. And it's got a, that cool bridge section. It's got a couple of bridge sections that repeat that are really, really pretty I, sweet. I, you know, that, that's, that's kind of interesting because the chords are so simple in that song. And all the interesting chords are on that tiny little woohoo bridge. You know, yeah. let's hear that for a second. Sure. Okay, now here's what's interesting about that is that these are all just major chords, and there's only four of them, basically for the whole song. And then that three-chord little uh, bridgey thing, which is also the fade-out at the end that you and I were soloing on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a C major 7 followed by like a, uh, I think it's a, it's a D sus 2, mm-hmm. it, it, and, it, then, it, and then an E. 
on the guitar side, it, that ends up you end up having these sort of open strings just just ringing out, right? Like an E string, right? Because you're a, leaving for like for the C, you're leaving that B string just you're leaving open. the B string just open, and it creates yeah. this. It's kind of surreal. It gets a little bit dreamy towards the end, and then uh, and I think that's a lot I of love- fun, and then it's really fun to solo over it. And honestly, the solo from my end, and, and you would do things that were more complicated. I could stick to three notes, and that solo was better. The less notes, and the more, the better the notes were played. Meaning, the more emotional Fewer. you can pull on. That makes things. a lot of sense. Um, um, we'll get to mine in a second. I just want to, as a side note, we should <laughs> pay, take a note of this. Kyle, our, yeah. our producer, um, I could do an entire show on the major seventh chord because I think it's 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 Let's, uh, file it is the sound of yacht rock. <laughs> it is the sound of um, that- mellowness. But when it's used yeah. right, it's fantastic. Like no, it's true. if you want to, if, if you're if you're not a fan of the of of the chord structures and stuff, the major seven chord is basically think, girl from Ipanema. No, we were just reminded we were just reminded by him that it's shoegaze. It's kind of shoegaze music. That's absolutely right. It's oh got yeah, the yeah Kyle of. Kyle typed that in. Yes, shoe it's definitely shoegaze music. It's, it's lounge music, but there's something there's something special about but, the you major know it, it, it's it's a really quick way. To create emotion out of nowhere, like if you just go from a major chord to a seventh, all of a sudden you're like, that just got profound. Wow, this music's very yeah. profound. Or cheesy. Or yeah, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> um, let me let me. I know you guys know this story, so I'll tell it quickly. I might have told it on this podcast, but around the time we started playing this song, I pointed out that you had, you guys were consistently choosing songs that did not involve keyboard parts. Well, right. Well, this was part of my plan to create the tension between us. In yeah, the band, and, and, it, and it worked because I was like, you know, <laughs> God damn it, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers have probably one of rock's greatest keyboardists. Absolutely true. In Ben Montench. Mm-hmm. And and you chose a Tom Petty song that happens to, I think it's from the Full Moon Fever album. Absolutely. That wasn't Full Heartbreakers. Yes. And you chose a song that is devoid of keyboards. <laughs> One yeah, of the few, yeah. like, like, yeah. like, if you listen to "Don't Do Me Like That," that opens with that crazy screaming Hammond B B three organ. No, um, I mean it, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of work to find scene. a song with with no rule for you in it. It was not easy. We had, so we here's the that. thing: I was kind of friendly on Twitter with Ben Montench because, like, a year before when Nikki Hopkins died, I had replied to something Ben Mont said about Nikki, saying that I got to play Nikki Hopkins in a cover band. Um, that played the Let It Bleed album in its entirety, um, except with a female Mick Jagger and a female Keith Richards. And Benmont answered, that sounds really cool. And in my world, that means I now have a new best friend because Ben Montench answered me. Yeah, I thought, I think you guys are besties now. Yeah, but so so when when I got angry, I tweeted at Benmont, the the band has chosen. As you do. Yeah, I was going to say, as one does. I said, said the band has chosen like almost all songs that don't have a, keyboard part do you have any advice and he replied to me he tweeted back at me that's great go crazy they can't tell you it's wrong if it's not on the record exactly no and it <laughs> and gave you freedom oh it it did although i immediately shackled myself again because i went to youtube and searched running down a dream live and there's benmont losing his mind on the grand piano while playing running down a dream it, so it, i just i yeah. tried to simulate his that. version sounded great and, you, and your version sounded great and at the end we were both just trying to fight for whatever sort of audio space we can fit into those last <laughs> few chords which which i think which i found enjoyable and also you said that the band picked it but i i don't want to get them blamed for this that was entirely me i picked that song and uh well everybody wanted a tom petty song and you picked that one yeah I, exactly i just don't i just want to make sure that you put the blame on the right person and that's me 
I think in tribute to Tom, we should call this segment Breakdown. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, nice. That's nice. really good. Wow, you know what? This is why Brian Frank is the man that he is, right? This is why he, he can navigate this business the way he does. By the way, Breakdown has a fantastic keyboard part. Oh, yeah. That's why we haven't, that's why we haven't covered it. <laughs> I'm just saying that we could. You're terrible. No, no I'm, I, there's literally no Tom Petty song that I would not love to do. I agree. I mean, and some of them actually have two two keyboard parts, like piano and organ. They do that a lot. Oh, but yeah. Hey, then we can bring someone yeah. else in too. That'll be great. Uh, <laughs> someone else to fight with that could yeah. divert the tension. We have got so much more dad band land, and we uh, we're about to open up the floor to everybody because we're going to start uh, discussing some of our cocktail party topics. That's another segment that really needs yes. a fucking name at this point. <laughs> um, but we will be back right after we pay the bills with this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And welcome back to Dad Band Land uh, with a with a discussion of commercials and lube that happened during the during the break. Wait, um, hey guys, <laughs> it's time for it's time for our like uh, our big question of the week. Oh yeah, what's the question of the yeah. week, Adam? The question of the week is what artists' voices, and by voices I mean either vocal or we can even after a little while get to instrumental, are unmistakable. Like you hear a recording with this artist and you're like, well, I know exactly who that is. And, and over the week while I've been thinking about this, I've started to think that maybe this is a really shitty question because there's so many. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I, I, it's I also, a, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, also, I also think that it, it depends on your ability to identify, right? Like yeah. some people are really good at picking out a style or a vocal quality that, maybe other people aren't and yeah like, which is why what know, i'm looking can, for is like what's everybody's like i want the ones mm. that when you say it out loud all of us are going to go like oh yeah i always well, know and, that and, lady. And, and and along with what jeffy's saying though too there are certain ones where i realize i've grown very accustomed to this person's voice but if i had never heard this voice until just now chances are i might be like what the what the hell is this do you know there's certain people that that make there's an originality you kind of need to have and i think that a lot right. of people do have it and I think a lot of strange vocal tics I've come to accept from certain artists because that's simply what they do. You know? Right. So, so anybody, I'll start. I'll start with one just because it's an, it's it's such an obvious one that I didn't think of it. But uh, but my wife Jeannie said it as soon as I said this question. She's like, "Well, obviously Tom Waits. You you hear Tom Waits? Nobody oh, sure. else sounds yeah. like that." Sure. I was going to say that's similarly, Bob Bob Dylan. Now, but this is what I'd say is Bob Dylan has multiple voices. Yes. Which are unique. Right. He changed his vocal style many times or like I'd say Neil Young may be similar to that. Where yeah. Each era is unique. Right. But different to what the previous one was. Which I, is kind I of would a, say I want to address both of those because for Bob Dylan, I'd say yes, but I think he's been so imitated 
that it's possible that you could listen to somebody and think it's Bob Dylan and and it's not Bob. Well, and that's kind of a point I was going to make about this is there are there are definitely some Tom Petty songs, for instance, that are in that Bob Dylan sort of vein. And I and I've we would think that, say, uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance is very much in a Bob Dylan sort of tone right, right? But, but you know that doesn't sound like you don't listen to that and think bob do you well I, I i if you didn't know if you weren't a detailed fan you may not you may not know the difference to some extent she grew up in an indiana town had a good looking mom she never was around but she grew up tall and she grew up right with the indiana boys on an indiana night i was thinking in that same context I, I think of Steven Tyler, not he's in the classic rock world, and the classic rock world is tends to be Robert Plant sort of sounding people. And he mm-hmm. has a very particular not just the sound of his voice, but his phrasing, the kind of phrasing he does, the kind of like like scat that he does, you know, all these sorts of things that nobody else seems to do in that particular realm. Um, so when he comes on, there are times where I listen to his voice and I think, how did we come to accept this? You know, especially later area, later period Aerosmith, his voice is unlike, there's nobody to the point of mimicking him. Yeah, I think His look right. and everything, um, but, but not I his wanna, actual vocal style. I want to circle back to, I'm not sure that I, I would recognize Steven Tyler right away, but you're so much deeper in the Aerosmith vein. I want to circle back to Neil Young because I agree with Brian on that one, but I think the reason is, is that Neil Young is a man with a uniquely terrible voice who's managed to do something with it like nobody else with a voice that bad is going to really succeed the way neil young has and i think that well that but again that that is the thing i was thinking about this with billy corgan as well billy corgan's one of those people where you're like yeah, kyle you know just what? suggested billy corgan yeah that, yeah that billy corgan shows up and and had had when i would sing in bands i was my i have sort of a whinier voice that would go the billy corgan route and that was a very particular in the 90s it was a very particular thing that would work and i wonder if that works today do you know what i mean i wonder if that would have worked in the 80s like he showed up at I a time know. where you could have that voice that was a little whiny and somewhat off and then he would get he had a voice right for the billy corgan era yeah Jeffy, what do you got uh stevie wonder i mean oh. i think um anytime i hear a stevie wonder song like a lot of times i don't even have to hear his voice maybe it's because i know his music really well but Certainly, his vocals, even from when he was little Stevie, like yeah, no, mm-hmm. no, no mm-hmm. doubt, have a, nope. a a similar quality that's sort of easy to track, and in a similar way to a couple of the other artists you mentioned, like Bob Dylan, I think a lot of it you can sort of like hear the voice and identify what period of time in their career that that recording was made. Yeah, right. I think that's absolutely right. And Stevie's voice is fantastic. I spent yeah. some time this summer uh, listening to that un- outstanding run of albums, those four albums oh leading God. up to Songs in the Key of Life, right. yeah. where he was releasing one and sometimes two albums a year. Maybe it was Ridiculous. five albums. Intervisions. Um, all of its re- oh, yeah, intervisions, fulfilling this first finale, book. Um, talking, talking book, book and music of my mind. Those all came out like a three year and then Songs in the Key of Life was a capstone on that. It was Absolutely. fantastic. No, I just pulled that out, the vinyl of that out, like last week, and it's it, it, every song's perfect. Every song Absolutely. is yeah, perfect. Come on now. Hard agree. Yeah. Um, I want to bring another one in, uh, Chuck D. Okay. I listen to a fair amount yeah. of hip-hop. There's a certain bombast to Chuck D's approach that, like, seconds into any cut, if it's Public Enemy, I know. Yeah, Bass, how low can you go? Death row, what a 
brother know once again back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannable D. Public enemy number one, five votes and freeze. And I got uh, none. Bjork. Yes. Yes. Right. And similarly, Kate Bush. Yeah, Kate Bush. When Kate Bush has a as an additional um, production quality that she does, do you know what I mean? Like it's beyond the quality of her voice. There's a way that she produces her voice every time that is very distinct. I'm gonna I'm gonna add uh, REM. I I don't think anybody sounds like Michael Michael Stipe. Yeah. All right, you guys don't well, agree. I, well, you, I mean, <laughs> well, you know yeah. what? It, yeah, what, 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 and, and this is something that I do look into. What it, what it ends up coming down to is any band that really, that really lasts tends to have a singer that has at least a distinct voice, a, a singer that identifies the band. And after a period yeah. of time, it becomes that's simply what it is, you know. And if you have a singer that is a knockoff, chances are it's just not gonna. It's just not going to achieve that level of the Rolling Stones or R.E.M. Right. or Metallica. I think Jack White's in that category. Well, you There's might nothing. say, you know, Sting is is a knockoff of the police, even though he was the vocalist for both. Like, he's I, kind of... I'm so glad you brought that, that up, Jeffy, because I was listening to the police. I was playing some for my son because, you know, he's um, getting better and better, like intimidatingly good on the drums, and so I wanted him to hear some Stuart Copeland, who was... Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, I, it never really struck me just how much Sting is doing a fake Jamaican accent on the early police recordings. Like, is, that, is everybody guys, okay with that? Here's the thing is, I got to tell you guys, I was listening to something else recently, too, from that era. There's a lot of stuff in, like, mid to late 70s of white guys doing fucking Jamaican patois. <laughs> and I felt the same way, Adam. I can't remember what record <laughs> I was listening to the other day. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure that this is okay. Like... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Brian, I'm going back and forth because, yeah. you know, Sting, he did grow up listening to that first wave of ska hitting and, and reggae hitting uh, England, and that's the music he apparently grew up with. And I would say that, you know, certain genres of music kind of dictate a vocal rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like, I does does reggae and ska work when it that doesn't have that incredibly... Um, you know, fantastically percussive Jamaican accent. I don't know. You have a, you have a problem with real big fish? Come on. <laughs> no, I don't have a problem with real big fish. <laughs> no, but it, it, um, I mean, it's, um, I'm not that as, as familiar with, with honesty as the early police as I ought to be. Uh, like it's careful, that, careful. No, careful, no, no. Careful. I'm just, I'm, what I'm saying is I, I honestly don't know the music to make that, to make that comparison. Do you know what I mean? I do know, I do know that I like the police and that, that uh, I saw them a few years ago whenever they had the reunion and it seemed to be slowed down into sort of a sting, a sting version of the police, right? Like the tempos seem to be stingified as opposed to (laughs) policified, but I can't speak to individual police albums for, you know, they're just one of those little blind spots that I've always had. That, oh, um, they're real. They're, yeah, they're fantastic. What I'm saying is, yeah, we got to fix that blind spot. Oh, no, I have them. You know what? I have all the records. Yeah. You know what? Here it is. There's that yeah. police box set, I'm going to say, in the 90s, which had all the records plus the plus the singles. And so I know mm-hmm. all the songs. I have no idea which ones are on which record. Do you know what I mean? It depends on which wow. format you get. They were all they were on like four CDs. I'm like, this could be on any album. I have no idea what album right. this is on. Well, not, not, nothing on Synchronicity could be on any other album, I think. I think no, that's, you that's know, the Synchronicity is the transitional well, era. And become, Ghost in the Machine kind of has its own sound, too. Yeah. Yes. I think Mother from Synchronicity could be on any police album. Isn't that yeah. your favorite song, Adam? Your favorite police song, Mother? Mother. Oh. <laughs> Andy Summers. You know, in, because in nobody prime. has ever said this before. Um, Kyle, play a little bit of Mother right now. <laughs> well, the telephone is ringing. Is that my mother on the phone? 
That's Andy Summers' uh, kind yeah. of like fuck you about, uh, contribution. Talk about to, to identifiable vocal stylings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a piece of shit. Um, I, I, I'm just going to finish my list. Um, I thought of one other hip hop person that I can't mistake, and that's Lil Wayne, just because that voice is lunatic. Mm-hmm. That, well, n- I mean, if you're going to get into hip hop too, it's like, what about Q Tip? He's got a very unique rasp. Right, he and does. Style. He has you a, he always has, know that it's him. Yeah, I think I, I think I got to agree with right. that. And that band is is un, is enjoying a much deserved resurgence right now. Agreed, agreed. And can I sneak peek our record of the day? What about that voice? I was about to. That's what I was going to close with. Joni Mitchell. That was a hand-handed yeah. segue. <laughs> I, I, I'm impressed. <laughs> he sounds like Joni. Um, yeah. The other, uh, if we we're going to start to do instrumentalists, you know, we've done enough of this right now. But we'll do another one with instrumentalists. No, instrumental, instrumental is a is a good one because it's not just instrumentalists; it's also sort of production. Do you know what I mean? Like who's who's pulling the stuff yeah. together? Because there are definitely yeah. drummers and right. guitar players where you're like, I've heard two beats, I know who this is, right? You know, yeah, I mean, no, I've heard no, two nobody's going to do Brian May like Brian May, right? Um, let's, uh, but let's leave that behind because we've we spent a, you know, this was a much less shitty idea than I started to think it was before we. <laughs> Before we did it, so that that that's that's a new thing for you. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Enjoy it. (laughs) Enjoy. All right, so we're about to move on to our next segment, but as to get into it, I want to tell you guys a little story. And Kevin, you can feel free to to pepper me with questions. You all can. Yeah, it's just a little story. I've written myself some notes here because it's going to get us into Brian's segment. Here we go. So, like when I was in college, I took six months and studied in London. And I almost immediately fell in fell in with this like wrong element, which was this flat full of five um, American women. Can I can I back this they, up? Is this is this when yeah. you learned to do the accent you did when you played Roy Thomas Baker in that Cars? Oh, movie? that's <laughs> right, sir. I did. No, no, no. It, it <laughs> okay, had, I just wanted to but know. But I did what spend you time in England. Anyhow, yes. But these women, they were feminists. You know, they they literally dabbled in witchcraft. You know, like Wiccan shit. Um, the goddess got <laughs> name checked a lot, and like, and if I'm being honest, like one of the reasons I was hanging around with them, besides the fact that they were all really great people was because I developed a huge crush on one of them, Christina, and she was she was really funny. She had a bleached blonde buzz cut and multiple piercings, which was weird back then. Um, it sounds like the plot of a porno. No, no, where's this headed, was, Adam? Should it, we stop I gotta the say, story it, now? It wasn't because, like, my romantic strategy back then was just to hang around and try to be entertaining, like, for so long that eventually they'll get bored and jump I, on you. I have a question, Adam. Yeah? Did you ever think you would be writing this letter? No, I didn't. Dear Forum. Okay. It doesn't go to a dirty place. Uh, you, right. you know, in fact, I hung out there just having fun with these these women for for a couple of months. Uh, and it, it uh, they were really into the whole post-punk scene in London. We went and saw a bunch of shows together. I think we saw, uh, at least Brian's going to know who I'm talking about. We saw the Swans. Swans. Some of us saw the Swans, which was absolutely the loudest show I'd ever been. We saw Soul Asylum when they were a thrash band at Dingwalls in Camden Town. Um and it was always a great time, but like, you know, with, with any sufficiently large group of intelligent American women, eventually, late at night, if you're hanging out, 
there is a high risk of some folk music breaking out. Interesting. <laughs> and I, re I, I, I so remember this one night where I was hanging out there. It was like two weeks after the whole ear-piercing fiasco that happened at the same apartment. Where, <laughs> Are we supposed to know I, this story? Hold on. What, what, no, I'll tell no, you. Yeah, Do you yeah. want me to? I could tell it oh, now yeah, very quickly. Classic. You can't just drop that. <laughs> I was hanging out. We were all drinking. One of them, uh, Jennifer, said, Adam, why have you never gotten your ear pierced? And I said, I don't know. I just never got around to it. And she said, don't move. And she had O'Brien go to her room to get her bottle of ouzo. She had Christina go to the kitchen to get a cup of ice. And she got out a safety pan and put a what lighter to it and pierced my ear after I had eight shots of ouzo. Uh, wow. Then she tried to put the stud in and couldn't find the hole, so she had to try to pierce it again. Oh, no. <laughs> and something went wrong. And... and all of a sudden, there was just lots of blood and lots of me being drunk and bleeding. <laughs> See, I, I have a similar story, but it was on the playground in seventh what? grade. There was no alcohol involved no. whatsoever. Or Let's pause there and were talk about ice that. Cubes, and they took a, a stud and just slowly turned it oh. through my ear. That's was how that, I got my did ear you pierced. want that to happen, or were they torturing yeah, yeah. you? Okay, I just got to know. No, 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 I got to no, know what, what level yeah. of uh, choice there was here. Seventh, Seventh grade. grade. What is that? Thirteen. You know that's what? Exactly right. That's yeah, exactly Brian, right. Exactly he right. he he's yeah. got you beat in that. He was thirteen. He made that happen. No, that's way yeah. cooler than my story. Wow. But here, I'm going to say to where we're going to go with Brian. Yes. Um. So one night, folk music breaks out, and they put and somebody puts on Joni Mitchell's "Blue," and most of the the five women in this apartment kind of sit up and they start like singing along and brian is showing it to us now on the zoom and have you, know, you never I, heard it before was this your first time i you had heard never it? paid attention to uh -huh, it before. okay and this night it was all mellow we were all hanging out and i was kind of starting to roll my eyes and all of a sudden i get hit in the forehead with like the two by four of how fucking brilliant and that album is like, and uh, all of a sudden they're all going to bed and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do this one more time. So, um, so these, uh, and I have to ask, cause you're in, you're in England at the time. Cause I think of this yeah. album, even when I was in Pittsburgh, I think of, this is like the Laurel Canyon album. This is the album of like a different place, a different, very American in my mind, oh, it's, West coast it thing. Is totally. And we're going to get to that. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cut uh, myself and everybody else off because that was just my segue so yeah. that we could really get to the beginning of our patented segment, Brian's House of Wax. Yes. Brian, what do you have for us this week? Thank you. Well, as previously mentioned, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I happen to have Joni Mitchell's masterpiece, Blue. Spoilers. And I will say it's funny. I'll, I'll get into the uh, the whole story, but Kevin, it, it's funny that you mentioned the Laurel Canyon sound because she actually wrote most of these songs in Europe. Oh, interesting! She was on vacation in Europe. I did not know that. So, but obviously the sound is very Laurel Canyon, right? Yeah. And the sound is very LA of that time, and it really did solidify and I think kick off the singer songwriter movement of the seventies and that whole style and. You know, it's and what year, such what year a is that again? Level. What year are we? So, yeah, so um, the album was released June 22nd, 1971. So it just turned 50 years old. Which is why um, we're highlighting it tonight. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> I'll, gi I'll give some of the usual facts. This is her fourth album um, and the second one that she self-produced. And, you know, that's an interesting concept too, especially with, you know, Adam, what you're referring to and what's great about Joni Mitchell is 
David Crosby produced her first one. And, you know, she was seen almost like as a, as a puppet of that scene, right? Paul Rothschild produced her second album, the famous Doors producer. And I think she had a co-producer credit on that. And by the third record, Ladies of the Canyon, she was like, I'm doing this myself. And to have a woman in that time in 1970 in the male-dominated music scene in Los Angeles telling men what to do, that's a, that's a big deal, right? And she was badass. Yeah, she Absolutely. was a badass. So and every, of course, every guy was in love with her. Every rock star was in love with her, which is important for this record, which we'll talk about the different relationships that are involved in this album. But what struck me, which is insane. So this was recorded at A&M Studios in Los Angeles, the famous um, studios that are now the Henson Studios, if you drive by. On La Brea. And um, at the same time, this is what was being recorded. In Studio A was the Carpenters doing their self-titled album, classic album. In Studio B, uh, Carol King was doing Tapestry. Oh, Jesus. And in Studio C, Joni Mitchell was doing Blue. Wow. All at the same time. Wow. And what's, what's interesting, too, is there are people who played on both. They were supporting each other, Carol King and Joni Mitchell. So Joni Mitchell actually sings backups on Tapestry, James Taylor plays guitar on both records. Russ Kunkel plays drums on both records. Just going from, you know, studio to studio. Um, but there was a story, I think I saw it in a documentary or something, where Carol King was saying that Joni Mitchell was so precious over the room and the studio, and she needed to use this piano that Joni was using. So they had to, like, wait until Joni Mitchell <laughs> left and then they would run in and she would record her parts really quickly. Carol King, she famously made that record so quickly. Joni Mitchell took her almost a year to make this masterpiece. Um, and, you know, as I said, it was when she wrote most of it, when she was traveling in Europe, she, she stopped performing live in, at the start of 1970. Uh, it was just too much for her. She wanted to give it up and she went on a long European trip and, while she was on that trip, she sent a telegram to Graham Nash, breaking up with him. It's pretty intense. Telegram. So, so it was like, pretty cold. It, it, so it right. was like, Graham, stop. I'm breaking up with you. Stop. Like she sent stop. a real telegram. Also, an Graham, actual telegram. Stop. 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 Okay. And then- <laughs> that, you know what? They should bring that back to break up with people. Excuse me. Stop. It's called texting now. Yeah, but you should write That's stop right. at the end of it. It's called cameo now. Get Mark yeah, McGrath yeah, yeah. to break up with you. <laughs> um, and uh, and then she, uh, Joni, uh, was uh, dated a guy in Crete when she was on this trip. Wrote a song about him, Carrie. And then uh, exactly, and then uh, she was in a relationship with James Taylor, and a couple of the songs were about him. And there's also a song about her relationship with Leonard Cohen, A Case what? of You. Was that Leonard Cohen? I didn't realize that that was Leonard Cohen. Wow. You you know what? And and that's one thing I wanted to say about her. She is, you know, a lot of rock and roll stars sing about what studs they are, men. She was the ultimate rock stud. It was unbelievable. (laughs) She just, like, she wanted somebody. She made them love her. And and, and she also, unlike unlike Love Me Two Times, Jim Morrison, she actually paid attention to the people she was with. Like, that song, Carrie, which we should get to soon, it's one of my favorite songs because of all the things she observes about him. That's it. And to twist that in the other direction, this is something new that I learned that blew my mind. 
Um, one of my favorite songs on Blue is California. I just mm-hmm. love the vibe of it. It makes me think of California. It makes me so happy to live here. And compare that to Led Zeppelin's Going to California, right? Mm-hmm. From Led Zeppelin 4, which was released just, uh, what's June to November. Yeah. Uh, five months later, five months later, Led Zeppelin 4 came out. Did you know that that song, some of those lyrics are about Joni Mitchell? Robert what? Plant, yes. So Robert Plant had a crush on Joni Mitchell, an unrequited love. Here we go. <laughs> to find a queen without a king, they say she plays guitar, cries, and sings. Joni had the song "I Had a King" on her right. debut record, and oh. then someone told me there's a girl out there with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair. To find a queen without a king, they say she plays guitar and cries. Wow, wow. This, this, That's amazing. Uh, this amazing. First of all, there's all tracks. This is all within character of everybody involved in this story. And mm-hmm. that is, there are these moments like that where everything, the whole world finally falls into harmony and you realize you're like, ah, oh, this all makes sense. This is all coming together. Totally so, right. Yeah. You know, that guy, Carrie, is in another song on the album. He's in the California song. She references him about this guy she met on a Greek isle, uh, like a bad, bad red guy or a red, red rogue or something who helped her find her style, helped her find her smile. And then she goes on and says, um, I, I left him, but he like kept my camera and sold it. Yeah. I don't know what the exact mm-hmm. lyric is, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a perfect portrait. That guy camera, has been yeah. found in recent years. But you t- oh, talk wow. about badass. She, um, she leaves America. She goes on a trip in Europe and she ends up on Crete where she meets this guy, Carrie, where there's all these hippies sleeping in caves. And she sleeps in a cave with Carrie for a few weeks um, while he's working at a restaurant called the Mermaid Cafe. Everything in that song is just, like, it's reportage. And then she writes that song for him for his 24th birthday. It's amazing. And, you know, I'd argue to that point, like, it is all so personal and so transparent. You know, that's, you know, been well documented. But it's almost like... The birth of emo in yeah. a way. Yeah. Like just yeah. strictly like singing about your pure feelings and observations, like you're saying, and the and the truth, you know, the reality of things. And you know, and you think about this, like I can't in my mind separate blue from tapestry, right? Huh. Because they were being done at the same time. And the, again, they were both these powerful women who had these like game-changing records. But what's interesting is Blue is considered a classic now. It was considered a classic when it came out. But in terms of commercial performance, nothing compared to Tapestry. Um, I want to, I wanna, let's go around and, and talk about our favorite moments on Blue. Uh, let's start with Jeffy. Jeffy, what's your favorite song or moment on that album and why? I mean, maybe, I'm not sure if this is a popular choice, but Little Green. Um, wow, why? I just think That's it's a really, really slow song. It's just really, I just get a lot of emotion from it. And, um, you know, I have um, a daughter myself, and I just feel, like, really connected to that song. I'm not sure why, but that's my favorite. Well, what's interesting about that one, Little Green, that was written in 1967. Wow. She had three three old songs that she was going to include on this album. And it was pressed up like that. They were ready to go. And the last minute, she said no. She kept Little Green because she agreed with Jeffy 
that it's an absolutely yeah. amazing song and deserves to be on the record. That's and she dropped so Urge for Going and she dropped Hunter and replaced them with All I Want and The Last Time I Saw Richard. Oh my God, All I Want is, is it's one of my favorites. Uh, Brian, name yours. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I got to say, Joni Mitchell is like, I don't know, maybe my favorite female vocalist, period. Um, I just, you know, and this record is great. Like I said, California is up there for me. Mm-hmm. I like the little run of, I mean, Carrie's great too, but this like blue California, this fight tonight, river, a case of you. Like just that Oof. chunk in the middle there is just all of it. All of all it. Right. Fair. Kevin? Well, that leads, my mine is a case of you. A case of you, the, the dynamics of it, the, the way that it's, the way that sort of the emotion of it sort of, sort of, it feels very solo, it feels very isolated, and then it just has these different layers to it, especially in the chorus, that are just sort of haunting. And that's the one that I, I keep sort of coming back to. That's a particular one. I mean, the whole thing is great, but that's yeah. a particular one that just resonates in a well, way. Well, the whole thing hangs together as like an unspoken concept album. I mean, like, she actually takes you on her trip. To she the, Like, I Am On The Road is the first line of the album, you know, and then she's heading back to California and falls in love again. Well, and that, that's that's what I was saying earlier, where it always took me to a place, a place that as far as I knew, I didn't I didn't literally know, like Laurel Canyon. It took me to a place that I thought I imagined that I'd seen in films and that sort of thing, and it just yeah. ended up being the soundtrack to, and if you've ever been, and you know, people who are not in L.A., like, it's, it's in the middle of the city, there's this, you turn right off of Sunset Boulevard, and there is just hills and greenery and it's just exactly sort of uh hippie and in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s that was kind of the epicenter of the california music scene no question and and, you know during this pandemic i watched both documentaries about laurel canyon which have come out in the last five years one is called echo in the canyon i I saw in the theater that was that was great i really enjoyed that one it was okay i mean there's a little too much jacob dylan in there when I saw it, he came. He actually came and played at the end of it. He actually came and performed. <laughs> yeah, so it, exactly. it seemed, but it seemed, yeah, but it seemed kind of normal because he was physically there. Um, yeah, well, yeah. but he was he was tiny at the time. I mean, he's Bob Dylan's son, and so there is a little bit of a you know, whenever they can't get David Crosby to do an interview, Jacob Dylan will talk about what uh, Crosby was talking about. Is that a Laurel Canyon poster that Brian is holding up? It's oh. a book. I. It's just what I had my microphone. On. <laughs> oh, that's, that's like, that, the that, other that's documentary. I think I is better. It's this. a two-parter on Netflix right now called Laurel Canyon. Oh uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I hear, I hear that it's good, and it still blows my mind. It blows my mind to think that like one mile away and less than a decade away was the rise of like wasp and these things. Like like these these neighborhoods are right next to each other. Like you don't really think yeah. about this, but this the the Sunset Strip and Laurel Canyon are right next to each other. So this, this 60s sort of sound that was very folk, very, very, is, is right next to some of the more flashy, over-the-top stuff that we've ever created in this country. It it's a all weird, happened in a tiny little area. It's all happening in a area. tiny area. I want to I add something to that in that, as you guys know, um, I recently had a book released, which I co-wrote with uh, horror auteur B-movie magnate Charles Band. Yes. He was living in Laurel Canyon during those years, too. Oh, early wow. 70s, mid 70s, um, and into the 80s. He was living across the street from Frank Zappa around the time Moon. Well, wrote, and Frank Zappa is Frank Zappa is again a key Laurel Canyon. My whole life, I was like, that guy represents how awesome it must be in the canyon right now. I love Carrie, and I love Carrie. That song, Carrie, because it's so it's so joyous about some guy she's had fun with, and now she's leaving. 
Um, and the, 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 the whole idea that he's a mean old daddy, but she likes him. She did an interview about that years later, and she said, yeah, he was kind of mean. He would try to frighten me, and uh, he definitely thought that he was superior to women. And uh, so let's just play the chorus from Carrie, and let me highlight the other reason why I like that, and Brian knows this, is that on guitar for Carrie is uh, James Taylor. Also on guitar and bass for Carrie is Stephen Stills, um, the only member of uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash that she hadn't been involved with. Um, and uh, it's, it's just an amazing kind of like slice of, slice of life uh, from the, from the uh, Laurel Canyon at that time. Let's get a little bit of that chorus. Come on, Carrie, get out your Carrie. Last thing I want to point out is probably the most popular song from uh, Blue. In fact, it was a number one hit for, who was it? Uh, like two years ago, in 2019. It was the last um, it was the last number one hit of that decade. It's uh, River is the song I'm talking about. Mm. And it was Ellie Goulding had a number one with it in 2019. She just re-released it for this holiday season. And it's, which is so weird because River is so personal. Ellie yeah. doesn't really do much with it other than sing it and play it the way Joni plays it. But you know how at the beginning she's kind of biting on jingle bells uh, yeah. on the piano? Her piano yeah. playing is, I think, underrated. Because, yes, some of us might have had, if we're singing a sad song about Christmas, the idea to do jingle bells in a minor key. But she's not just playing jingle bells in a minor key. She's doing something totally interesting. And if yeah. and I just want to play the introduction to um to river so you can hear her playing the piano and listen to what she's doing with her left hand because there's some really fun moody stuff going on right here there it is Joni Mitchell on the piano Nothing compared to her Appalachian dulcimer playing. <laughs> That's doesn't she play that on Carrie? Yes. So, All right, you want to talk about this, Brian? Go I, ahead. I, you know, it just it sticks out, right? She produced this record. She wrote all the songs. She plays piano. She plays guitar, and she features on the Appalachian dulcimer. Uh, yeah. Who else has done that? That's bold. That's uh, bold. It, it, I, I, it was already know. bold before it got to that point. And she was just like, you know what? Yeah. Time to push us over the edge here. Well, part of it, I think, has to do with like, you know, her guitar tunings and stuff, mm. how she does those different, you know, yeah. I think that's part of it, the instrument. But I came up with two, you know, per our previous text conversation. Uh-huh. There's two that I have. Does anyone else have any? N- no, uh, well, no uh, zero. Uh, I came up with exactly there zero. There was Toothless Jeb and, 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 uh, and the Hot Town Shouters. Three years prior, Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. Oh, on Lady Jane. It's an electric, oh, wow. an electric Appalachian wow. dulcimer. Don't and know if that it counts. Was, yeah, that was his period where he was trying to find other things to do because he was no longer the guitar player. Right? Yeah, like that was. Um, and Paul Westerberg. Oh, interesting. I'll what? I'll be you. Their biggest, their yeah. biggest hit ever. He plays it on I'll oh Be You. My wow, I didn't know that. You know what, Brian? Do you think now that you're the foremost expert at the Appalachian dul- dul- dulcimer <laughs> on record right now, do you think that you are? Listen, I know I know nothing about the zither. I know it's a form <laughs> of zither. That's all I got. 
It's very complicated. I started reading up on it because that's who I am. Right. And I didn't understand how. You'd be surprised how big the Zither family actually is. <laughs> <laughs> is that for real, Jeffy, or is that funny? No. <laughs> is that real? Is that real? Or is that funny? <laughs> but you guys would probably understand. I mean, it's a whole thing about how, you know, the tones and how they get the yeah. different tunings. And no, shit. totally. Well, that's, that's going to be that's going to be the next fight in Dad Band is about who's going to have to play that in the next. Yeah. Oh my God, Perfect. they're, they're going to be they're going to be beating each other with. You, you know what? You know what's going to be great is when I I find a song that has no piano part but has a dulcimer part, and we have to bring another person in to play that. You're going to fucking do that, aren't you? <laughs> I will end you. <laughs> It would be this. That'd be the best way to die. While you were killing me, I'd be like, "It was worth it. It was worth it." You could end Kevin, or you could end the segment. You're absolutely right. Let's pay some bills. We will be back with more Dad Band Land. Nice. It's easy to say, people. It's easy. And we are back. Um, wow, this has been an exciting and. Uh, uh, just really fun time being back with you guys here in Dad Band Land, even if the Dad Band itself is potentially dead. Uh, no optimism. I'm optimistic about this. Hope springs okay. eternal. Hope springs eternal. Jeffy's right. If we could get those guys back together, it would be great to continue to have a Dad Band Land podcast and a Dad Band. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna milk this for all the drama that it's worth. You know, I mean, we gotta you have to tune in next week to see how this works out because uh, yes. <laughs> Because will they stop punching each other? Come back next week. <laughs> well, um, we start perhaps each the other. two. We have to yeah, be in the right, same perhaps. room to punch each other. That's totally right. Jeffy's got that one. All right, let's get to our, at this point, wildly popular final segment. <laughs> Guilty Pleasures. This is, uh, this is the segment where we talk about songs or albums that we don't feel great about loving. Right, but it's starting to um, move and, and, more and into to, into that we do really feel great about it. It's more admitting to all of you how great we we're do. We're kind feel of lampshading it. a little bit here by saying, "Oh, these are songs that you know it's not really okay to like," and but so I like it. by saying that we're making it okay to like them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's exactly we're, we're right. And, and Jeffy, you had in our very first episode, I think you had the archetypal uh, guilty pleasure song. I, I think you went for. Um, Olivia Newton-John singing "Magic" on Xanadu. Yeah, that's right. To me, oh, that man. that absolutely Classic. sums I just up saw the segment. That in the all about. Yeah. I, I saw you Xanadu. Think that's in the, the ultimate. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> but I mean, I think. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> I, I think you think that's kind of the ultimate guilty pleasure song, but that's because you don't know what I picked for this week. Well, then, then you get to go first. Obviously. Okay. <laughs> well, it's uh, from 1979. It's it's not known by its actual title. It's known by its parenthetical title. The oh, title of the oh, song yes. is Escape. Escape. Yes. Yes. The Pina Colada song. The Pina Colada that's, song? Yes. No, yes. that's that's yeah. It you should feel no guilt. Song. And wow. even though it's got I think the the lyrics are, you know, they're, they're definitely dated talking about, you know, personal ads and such. But well, it's it's I, a it's a terribly immoral act that happens it, at the it very is, beginning. There are, there are, yeah, it is it's a terribly immoral voices. act that is perpetrated by both members of the couple 
And so they it's suck. okay. Right. Two negatives like two make a positive. Like, make a right. Yes. In this <laughs> it's like the gift of the Magi. It is. Right. But, but sexual. it's inverse. Gift of the Magi. They, Am I they, wrong? They or took is away the first from each line other of the, and gained. Yeah. The first line of the song is, I was tired of my lady. Kyle, play that. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording. Now, isn't that? Oh yeah, you know what? That's, that, that's really. That's I mean, that is that's like straight up baby boomer midlife crisis. Like right, oh, that yeah. is prime. Like right, they're getting to the age where, they're like, yeah. you know what? The dream is over. I guess you know this is what I'm into. Yeah. Uh, well, the dream, the dream starts, and then the dream continues, right? Because sure. it turns out to be his partner. Yes, yeah. he's cheating on his partner he's with his partner. He's cheating on his partner with his partner, who is also cheating on him. But um, it's cool, I guess. Well, it's hotter now, I guess, is what it comes into, you know. And so you know that song had a resurgence about eight years ago when it appeared on the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Oh, oh and and look at this, uh, Brian. Look is now at this us. guy. Brian is just becoming the, look at this guy. Brian yeah, is becoming wow. the king of of podcast visual aids. <laughs> um, he's showing okay. us he's showing us this Rupert Grimes album, and I want to point out that that song Rupert was Holmes, by Rupert, Rupert Holmes. Holmes. Rupert Holmes. I want to point out that Rupert Holmes probably. Uh, not only known for um, uh, Escape, the Pina Colada song, but also really well known for absolutely nothing else. Right. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I, I believe best he's is Sherlock a, Holmes' smarter brother. Nice. <laughs> the best is the, uh, the hype sticker on this album. Oh, Contains yeah. the number one single, Escape, the Pina Colada song. Yep. And his new single, Him. Him. Oh, you know what? Him. 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 What's she gonna do about him? Is that not is that bad? Real? Is, it, she's is that real or is that funny? Do without him. Is that is that, is that legit? Do is that without that me? Wait, Jeffy, are Brian. you? Wait, what's happening? Me. Someone, 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 answer these questions. It's getting out of control. Brian, is that what him yeah, is? I, I I know the song. That's that's all I'm no. saying. It's not. Well, you know, you just it's blew not song. that crazy to know him by Rupert Hall. No, it's not. That's a that's a oh, song. You just blew song for next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did. I couldn't hold it in. I couldn't yeah, contain you just, myself. You just start just dropping all your knowledge of Rupert Holmes. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And you have yeah, just you Holmes have just earned knowledge. a completely that unnecessary needle you know drop what? there. That's you know amazing. what? I have to tell you that is the extent of <laughs> yeah, my you, Holmes you, knowledge. Yeah. Of course, that's what you're going to tell us now. But now we don't trust you anymore. <laughs> Next week, who knows yeah, what's going to happen? It's true. Infinity Records recording artist. Oh, Infinity <laughs> Records. Yes. Yeah. Everyone. And by yeah, Infinity, that, they that, mean that, two. That, <laughs> that outfit's still around, right? For Infinity years. Sure. Uh, absolutely. You know Infinity. How records. many of your clients are on Infinity now, Brian? <laughs> Infinity. Yeah, I'm gonna look to see if I can buy the rights oh, to Infinity. Oh, Infinity! Yeah, if nobody has. I think if we, I think if we all pitched in, we might be able. You know to pull what? It off. Da- dad band record label. I, that's the thing that we do. Infinity uh, Records. DBL yeah. Records. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, let's do it. Let's do it. Then we'll have the Pina Colada song. And w- yeah. no, no, we, we'll start with we'll have him. him. We'll start with him. We'll start I meant with him. him. Reverse it. I meant yeah. him. We'll start. We got to work. We got to. I feel like what? him is a much more attainable goal, rights wise. Hey, what's she gonna Brian, do about him? What's your guilty him? pleasure? No, no, She's gonna no, have yeah, to yeah. do without him, or do without me. <laughs> no, it's. I remember that song, Brian. What's your guilty pleasure? Because uh, Jeffy just hit it out of the park. You have to go get it and bring it back. He did. Well, here's the thing: is mine this this week is an album. Because okay. um, I uh, miswrote, Kevin. Uh, it is today, actually. 40, 40 years ago today. 
Kiss released their magnum oh opus, my goodness. music oh. from the elder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. can we get through one fucking show oh, without dude. mentioning <laughs> that? You have no idea where we the elder so, okay. can take no, you. No, no, almost real, made it. Yeah, yeah. Real, real talk though. Adam and Jeffy, do you know this album? Have you ever heard this, this album? Is called? The this is important. Music from the elder. Music from the. Oh, elder. that was like their, their, that was like their 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 like failed concept album, wasn't it? Wait, failed. Failed. Wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. I I, I apologize. Let me rephrase. That. Underappreciated. That was their, uh, yeah. Super yeah, failed. You're, you're, yeah. Under, yeah. Underappreciated. That's so weird. Your voice auto corrected. Genius to failed. That's so odd. That's so bizarre. <laughs> so, but yeah, but. I fail you, you mean instant classic, I guess? <laughs> yes. Weird. I do not mean some that. Sort of filter you, that's not what that's I mean. so strange that that's what came out of your mouth. <laughs> have you actually heard this record, oh, Jeff? Oh, yeah. uh, no. I would okay. have to know some of the songs on it in order to tell you. So oh, I can no, tell oh, you then, no. Then the answer is no. The answer, if Jeffy doesn't know any <laughs> okay. songs, the answer is no. All right, so, Brian. What do you want to yeah. What do you want to say about this? Yeah, piece this of is shit? what I got. I got to say about this thing. Okay. So. <laughs> It's a concept album produced by Bob Ezrin. He had just done, just come off Pink Floyd's "The Wall," mm-hmm. and um, a lesser known, a, a lesser known concept yeah. album. Exactly, I've heard of that one though. And uh, and Kiss thought it would be a good career reboot to uh, to attempt something. It's the soundtrack to a film that never got made. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so there, there's theoretically there's a story behind this. Theoretically, um, there's a lot of similarities to Mr. Roboto right here. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like yeah. Or, or, or vice movie. versa, or and inverse. Yes. They, it's the they, it's the only record they didn't tour on because it was such a disaster oh, for boy. them. And anyway, what I got to say is, so when I was a little kid, I was super into Kiss. I started collecting all the records, and I went to the record store and I saw this record, and it's the only one that actually doesn't have any pictures of them on it anywhere. It's just a hand on a door knocker. And for whatever reason, I was like, nah. And so I didn't get it. And I didn't have it as a little kid because I was just <laughs> You like, and America, baby. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it, it didn't speak to me. And then somehow, like in high school or something, anyway, I got my hands on this thing. And it is so fucking wrong that it is right. Okay? It is so wrong that it is right. And I celebrate it. I celebrate what they have to say, the messages in it. And just lastly, and this is my favorite thing that I learned today, is there's a, there's a song on it. It's a it's a heartfelt ballad uh, by Gene Simmons called "A World Without Heroes." But well, wait, wait, Lou Reed and Gene Simmons, right? Is that did I just co-written? Yeah. Co no no, but it gets worse. I hate that you know this, Kevin. Co-written by Lou Reed in 1991, Cher covered Whoa. "A World Without Heroes" and Richard Marks. Saying backup. <laughs> so today I happened to be on the phone with Richard Marx's manager. Just honestly, yes. randomly, he called me. We're doing a deal to together. The elder. He called me. Yeah. Exactly. He called me and I said, Listen, I have a very serious question for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his very serious answer was, Look, I didn't manage him at the time. I don't know. He was, you know, he was like one of the go-to backup singer guys in that era. Uh you know, when we do our next call with Richard, ask him. I'm sure he'll remember. So wow. everyone stay tuned. I'm supposed to. Wow, I that's think I'll our, talk that's to our episode second cliffhanger. The fate of our band and something I don't give a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, 
tonight is about to be an unprecedented event because I happen to have picked the exact same album on its 40th anniversary as my guilty you pleasure. You did not. Totally did. You really? did. But here's the difference between, between Brian, Brian, who loves Kiss, and this is like an outlier in his Kiss experience. This is the only Kiss album that I choose to put on whenever I'm listening to music. Why? Holy. Why? Mother Look, of let's be why? let's be clear here. Remember, remember previous episodes we talked about like bad ideas by good by good people, right? Kiss fully yes. commits to this idea. Kiss does not go halfway. They do not think this is the story of a council of elders and this guy named Morpheus who's trying to help a child to like it. It is a fully committed concept album. We all know that Kiss has committed to the concept of makeup and characters, but they seem to for some reason evade committing to the full concept album right and the elder it is and it sounds like this is why this is is, i listen to it non-stop (laughs) there's an instrumental called escape from the island and as far as i can tell there's an island in the story of the elder and you must escape from it it tells me all i need to know i'm on board in truth the song i it's actually it's actually might be my favorite kiss song it's a good song I kicks ass. We got to listen to the first line from the from the spoken word finale in which the Council <laughs> oh. of Elders ask Morpheus what oh, they no. think about this. You got to hear this. Uh, you know, Kyle just texted me that we've used up our needle drop allowance <laughs> for this show. Dude, seriously, get into the Elder. I think this is the thing to do. I'm, uh, you know what? I will listen no, because to it. You know, if, if you I, don't I listen- like Kiss, the Elder is the way in. I mean, not, not that you don't oh like Kiss. It's the, way, it's the thing you're going to enjoy. <laughs> if you don't like Kiss, the Elder is your way to continue, continue that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can... And I love that it's music from The Elder. The boldness of uh, implying that there would be something greater than this, a film, whatever it is, is so committed. They went all in, and it failed. But you know what? I find it so interesting. And then they went all out. Then they went all out, and then I got uninterested again. But I am on board for The Elder. The Elder is not halfway. The Elder is not ironic. They're not winking. They're not pretending like, isn't it fun that we're kissed doing? They're in and I love that. Well, Jeffy, Jeffy well, and I have, I have for a long that. time had a bad movie club, so we will yeah. commit to the. So I, I will be taking this in. Oh, look at that! I'll, uh, yeah. I'll send you guys some video clips. They did do like two TV appearances on this album. I'll send them to you. It's absolutely oh, incredible. But, and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're Wait, gonna post that, those clips on. Is that Simmons when he, where he cries with a tear? Yes, that's it's, the video you, for a world without heroes. You know what? We're gonna we're incredible. gonna post the links to that on our yeah. socials too. So so hit, so go to our socials, really everybody, and, and take a yeah. look at this piece of crap. That is, <laughs> and and kiss be. if you're listening. When you see those YouTube views go up, please know it's from us. Yeah, it's and, from and Dad Van Land. D- DBL, love the elder. I legitimately love yeah. the elder. So and and there's a campaign from fans trying to raise money to make the film. I'm, I'm aware of this too. Yes, I, yeah, I should, we should yeah. donate. This is I saw that before there were Kickstarters we and stuff, but they should really do that. Yeah, I would watch that film. And we should put it out on Infinity Records. <laughs> totally right. DBL presents Infinity, Infinity, Infinity Records. Records. Again, let's, let's point out unprecedented. Same guilty pleasure. Forty years after the day, we did it. We did it. Unprecedented on like episode four or whatever this is. <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot is unprecedented. All right, I'm going to give mine. I, I feel bad about mine because it's 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 kind of pedestrian compared to your guys, but um, it's real, it's true, and it's a an unnamed cross genre genre of music. And for lack of because the genre doesn't have a name, I'll call it kettle drum music. Okay. And what happened was um, about uh, three weeks ago, I heard my daughter who was eight at the time; she's now nine. Um, singing Katy Perry's Roar, you know, 
the eye of the tiger. And I realized in one shameful moment that not only do I find that song affecting, like I like that song, I like the way it's produced, but that song was part of an entire subgenre of about a decade ago of these really plodding, really slow, really emotional anthems dominated by those hitting those timpanis a lot. Like, you will never hear more timpanis uh, except for that little <laughs> subgenre of music and in, in the trailer for every action film ever made. You know, sure. the minute Tom Cruise starts running, it's... And that's, that's what dominates Roar. That's what dominates, like, every fucking song that Fun ever did. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, that actually cut across into a lot of R&B like, and country music. For some reason, in, like, between 2009 and 2013, every ballad was one of those anthematic, nobody-feels-as-hard-as-we-feel-us-kids-tonight-we-are-young kind of songs, mm -hmm. and I like every single frickin' There's one There's got them. to be a common denominator. Like we've got to trace who is at the source of this, songwriting-wise, production-wise. I mean, you can't... Well, that's the thing is there was... What I'd say, Adam, is, first of all, I agree with you. Roar, love that song. Yeah, I when agree. it first came out, makes me... I got all the feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these songs song. give you the feels. Right. Yeah. And And I think that... You know, there was that heavy drum element and production element that, like, um, Alex to Kid did for Imagine Dragons mm -hmm. that just took over yes. the whole thing. So do you think and Imagine Dragons was the genesis of this? We have to check the chronology of that because I'm not sure. Our album totally needs to be called Dad Band Land. Check the chronology. Check the chronology. Uh, I, I think chronology <laughs> check is probably more efficient. Oh. Huh? Uh, if we're going to do a it, needle drop, should it be Roar or Tonight, We Are Young, or what should it be? Mashup. Let's do Roar. hear lots of kettle drums and then one of Tom Cruise um, running in a in an action movie trailer. The Days of Thunder introduction's pretty good. Who is this driver? And then he enters on his motorcycle to some And it's we're not saying about the doors is our guilty pleasure, okay? No carnival music. Yes, it's true. Uh, that's fair. That's completely fair. No so carnival music. Guilty pleasure. This is interesting. Things. You're breaking out. The, guilty pleasure is like a almost a weird subgenre production issue. Yeah. Is your guilty pleasure this week? Yes. Wow. It's it's a weird guilty pleasure, but like hearing my my daughter singing "Roar," which is a song I genuinely like, even though it's somewhat frowned upon nowadays. Um, is it reminded me that all those angsty, but I still have power teen anthems from about ten years ago. I really dig them. Yeah, no, they're, they all they're sound exciting the same. and they're empowering. Yeah, I, I, I'm on board with that. I mean, it is the same. I, I, every time there's a key change, no matter how bad the song is, I get excited about it, a key change. No matter what it is, <laughs> it always works. I, it always yeah, works. You just try to go up one there. whole step. I'm like, I'm excited. I was bored. I'm now the excited. Whole step. 
Yeah. You got a whole step there. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to take a whole step out of here right now. Oh, my Hey-o. God. We got to yeah, It's so good to be back. It I want to thank Kevin Burke, Hello. my co-host. I want to thank Jeffy Brandon, our chief technology thank officer. You. Our chief vinyl officer. That'd be Brian Frank over there. We want to thank our producer and editor, Kyle McGraw. Kyle, Kyle thank you so much, yes, man. Thank you. Thanks, and to everybody Kyle. at Starburns Audio and our support staff, uh, you know, our publicist, our uh, brand manager, our all these other positions that haven't been filled yet. We want to thank you, too. Um, <laughs> back next Someday week you'll with another. Uh, Jeffy, I'm going to give you another chance to say goodbye by saying the name of our Do it. Thanks for listening to Dad Band. There's an S at the end of Dad. You missed it. A podcast network.